Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 6, we'll be recapping UFC London, sliding into a preview of UFC 291, giving you our top 5 most badass people, and more. So without further ado, let's jump in. Alright, so let's recap UFC London from this past weekend. Uh, it was an okay card. Wasn't the worst card I've ever seen. Wasn't the most exciting card. Had some very good moments in it. The crowd was kind of lackluster. It has a few people thinking they might have uh, oversaturated the market. They're doing too many in London right now. Maybe need to kick back to one a year. But, entertaining card. Uh, the main event, Tom Aspinall, Marcin Tibera. What a performance from Tom Aspinall. He's coming off that injury, and he looked great. He put on a show, put on a performance that honestly has him looking like maybe, you know, not counting John Jones, but maybe the best heavyweight out there. Yeah, I'd say the, I guess to put your words a little bit finer, he's the best contender out there, I'd say. I mean, he looks so good. Being that big, he moved on his feet great. He was quick. He was obviously just another level than Tibera, who is an older guy. He's been around for a while, but, I mean, it was obvious the uh, the difference between the two. Yeah, that was one of the things I had to question um, on the kind of preview for the card is wondering if Tibera could still go at 37 against, you know, somebody Aspinall's age. And, I mean, while it didn't really play a factor at all, he just, Aspinall just kind of slept him early on and, you know, just, one thing I love is the first uh, strike that Aspinall threw was he threw a head kick from the leg that got hurt, kind of just to like set a tone, and he landed it. Yeah, like, hey, I'm big, not worried like, about. I'm not worried about what you. I have. think that was more as much for him as it was for everybody else. Like, all right, we got this. And then after that, I mean, he just blitzed them. Nothing Tiberia could do. Knocked him down on the feet. Couple shots, ground and pound. Easy victory for Tom Aspinall. Yeah, it, it was a very very clean fight. Um, I think he gets. You know, one of his call-outs in the future. He wants to fight John Jones. Uh, John Jones actually responded, you know. John like, Jones got all weird and emotional about it. Yeah, so that that's his typical. I think Aspinall responded with, John, chill out, mate. Right. It's exciting. I like it. And moving on to Molly McCann versus Julija Stoliarenko. The co-main event. I think we had, like, the biggest upset of the night here. Uh you know, I'm a big fan of Molly McCann. I know you are as well. I mean, this this just hurts. Yeah, it was a big upset on the uh, according to Vegas and the odds and everything. But if you watched the fight and you knew nothing about either one of them, I don't think you would think of it as an upset. Uh, Molly, I mean, uh, Stolarenko, she was faster. She was better on the feet, honestly, than Molly, which was surprising. And then once she took her down, it was kind of over from there. Yeah, uh, I mean, there was there was one takedown, one submission attempt. We said last time that McCann got submitted and she would look to, you know, kind of recover from that. She couldn't do it here. Uh, she did, since the loss, announce that she was going to be moving to uh, the lower weight class, you know, dropping down. Should be good for her, but she still... She needs to she, work on wrestling, man. She has to be able to... Jiu-jitsu. She needs to, some, some submission defense. D- d- defense, if anything. A- if anything. She needs some defense. But look, we're not sleeping on Molly McCann. We're going to keep watching her. We're going to watch her grow. Still one of my favorites. Right. All right, so the next fight on the card. Maybe the fight of the night. Maybe one of the most entertaining fights of the night. Nathaniel the Prospect Wood. Andre Touchy Feely. It ended up going to a decision in Wood one, two rounds to one. But man, this was a war between the two guys. Each dropped each other. Uh, each were hurt. It looked like each one of them had the finish at one point, just back and forth. Yeah, it, dude, look, there was, honestly, one of the things I think tilted it in Wood's favor was the takedown. You know, I know they dropped each other. That kind of evens out. You know, they both got hurt. They both got rocked. But... The takedown for Wood, you know, to couple with the significant strikes and kind of, kind of doing more damage throughout. I, th- I, I think the damage is probably pretty equal. It was just came down to. Uh, I mean, they each got a round for him. The second round, obviously for Feely, because he had the big, he had the big shot, dropped him, almost finished it. And the other two rounds, while they were close, I think you could easily 
not easily, but I think you would score them just as the judges did for Wood. I had it 29-28 Wood. All three judges also had it 29-28. It's rare that everybody kind of agrees with how the fight goes. Especially in a card where, you know, where previously there was a kind of questionable call. Exactly. Um, But a nice win for Wood. Um, You know, he keeps moving on. So just overall, like I said, probably the fight of the night. Yeah, that brings him to 20-5. and You know, so with his next with his next opportunity, it you know it really goes to show what he, what he's going to try to do. You know, he won another one by decision. He's got to start finishing some fights if he wants to contend, though. Next up, we had Paul Craig making his debut at middleweight, facing Andre Munez Muniz. Uh, he pretty much did everything I wanted him to do here. Um, he got another finish with his elbows. He didn't have the guy wrapped up with a dislocated arm, but... Yeah, it was a nice way to... uh, He was coming into this fight two losses in a row, moved down to weight class, so it was definitely a nice showing from Paul Craig. Got the TKO, ground and pound. So now all nine of his UFC wins, all by finish. So he's a guy, he doesn't really go... If he goes to scorecard, it's not good news for him. Um, But yeah, he's going to be ranked in middleweight now, a new division. Um, Muniz was 14th, so Paul Craig should take that spot. He said in the post-fight, um, he's open to fighting both at 205 because he does have two wins against top five guys at 205 and still at 185. I mean, he looked good. He said he came in 27 pounds heavier uh, on fight night than on weigh-in day, which is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty insane. And It's I a mean, good advantage to have. Look, looking at the fight, you know, when you rewatch it through, through both rounds, um, I mean, this fight ended almost, what, almost... At the end of the second round. Yeah, like the last minute. I mean, honestly, uh, Muniz was getting some shots, and he was hitting them pretty good. Right, and the takedowns. Some good ground and pound. But what really fucked him, he was in position. Uh, probably, he won the first round, I think. He was probably winning the second round on top on the ground. And he had just a flagrant and dumb headbutt that made the ref stop the fight and put him back to their feet. Right, yeah, it was... it. I don't know if it was an intentional headbutt or it what. It looked pretty intentional. It did, uh, but it, I mean, it could have just been one of those things where you're in the moment, yeah. Right? You don't, you know, you think you're kind of, you know, how they push their heads up against them. I know it's not what he thought, but you know, in the moment, you're like, oh, maybe I'm close enough. I'll just hit him in the chest. But that was a huge turning point because they they went up, and Craig didn't seem very happy with them going up either. He he likes, he likes being to back. being on his back uh, with you and his guard. Which but as is, soon as they stood up. I mean, it wasn't too much longer where Craig took him down, and then from there, the, the finish led. Almost right. got the Darce choke, ended up finishing him TKO with, that, like you said, elbows, punches. But a nice win from Paul Craig. Really a good way to uh, stop the losing streak, establish yourself as a ranked guy in a new division. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it, it's exciting to see him be, be great across two divisions. Such a likable guy, too. All right, so the next spot on the card was... Jai, the black country banger Herbert, versus Ferez, the smile killer Ziam. Ziam? I think they said Ziam a bunch. I wasn't uh, expecting that. A very technical fight on the feet. Both guys hitting each other. Uh, a lot in the clinch. Ziam won the fight. Uh, all three judges gave him the fight. Two judges, 29-28, one 30-27. I had it 29-28, Ziam. I had him winning the first two rounds. Herbert kind of came alive a little bit more in the third round. But uh, overall, pretty good fight. Very competitive fight. It was definitely a hard one to score. Like I said, both guys were exchanging. Both guys were hitting each other. Um, but yeah, I had Ziam uh, winning the fight. What do you think? I, I agree there. Uh, Ziam, Ziam, he, he definitely won the fight. Uh, it, it was more about, you know, more significant strikes. He had a takedown, which, you know, in a... Yeah, in the second round. Right, in a... Less than, I don't want to say exciting, but in a less than like exhilarating fight, you know, where they're not just standing up banging, you know, you can you can't kind of tell where the judges are going to get it in a round where you can get a, a takedown. It was that, big because Herbert too was trying those first probably round and a half in the clinch trying to get the takedown and then trying couldn't get it and then Zayam just kind of flipped it on him at one point and got the takedown. So it was nice for him. Yeah. So getting. Getting back to the fight with both of them being like over six feet tall, that kind of makes you feel like it was going to be a length. 
Yeah, two tall, lanky guys. Yeah, and and it, I guess both guys kind of trained for what the other thought they were going to do. You know, both guys thought it was going to be not an at-length fight. You know, it's kind of a grapple fest. They both wrestled. A lot of clinch, a lot of clinch fighting in this fight. Yeah, which I, you know, I, I, I'll see. I, I like any kind of fight any day. It, it was still good. Um, Farah Zayam got the win here. Solid performance from him. Yeah. I agree. I think the judges got it right. In England against an English fighter, so it was definitely a... A, you a know, biased crowd, for sure. Exactly. So yep. overall, solid solid win, solid fight. Right. Lerone Murphy versus Josh Kulibau. Turned out to be a pretty exciting fight. Uh, it went to decision. You, know, you had a lot of strikes on either side. You know, total of seven takedown attempts, which is pretty, you know, pretty crazy. Um, most of those going to Lerone Murphy... Uh, he won the fight by decision, moved him to a perfect 13-0 on his career. 13-0-1. 13-0-1, I'm sorry. I always forget about the draw or to even say the draw. But uh, honestly, a solid performance from Murphy. He got stronger as the fight went on. Uh, I had him winning the first two rounds 10-9, 10-9. I also had him winning the third round 10-9, but the judges, almost, or two of the three judges had it 10-8 the last round. Uh, judges were 30-26, 30-26, and 30-27 for Murphy. I had it 30-27 for Murphy. I thought it was a solid performance from him. And after the fight, he called out a top 15 opponent, which I think is right. Uh, you know, try to take that next step, try to establish yourself as a contender. Yeah, 13-0. I mean, regardless, I, I think he's now 6-0-1 uh, and in the UFC. Yeah, so it's time to make that next step. Right. Even if even if it's, you know, premature a little bit, or uh, not, not premature, but the, the guy you're trying to fight's a little premature, you know, Regardless, top fifteen opponent, I think he's due. I think give it to him. He showed, you know, that he can hang with somebody who's shown to be able to submit, knock out. Yeah, it wasn't a crazy dominant win, but it was an obvious uh, win for him where he controlled every round. And look, not not to say, uh, you know, Josh Kulibau's on his way out. He came in eleven and one. You know, so he, he hasn't lost often. He only lost once by KO previous. Yeah, I mean, he looked good early on. It was just as the fight went on, it, it seemed like Murphy kind of took control of the fight. Yeah, I think the size advantage really helped out a, a good bit there. All right, now to cover last week's bets and picks. Um, pretty good week from two-thirds of us. I think that's kind of how the the rhythm keeps rolling right now. Yeah, every uh, week it's two of us doing well, one of us not having the best at night. Man, Bucky really shit the bed here. He went two and four. You know, he's a dog, so I'll, I'll cut him some slack a couple more weeks. But goddamn, Bucky, you got to get that shit together. Yeah, it's times like this you kind of got to blame the owner. He didn't raise him right, but, you know, that might not be Bucky's fault. He is a very sassy dog, so, you know, I, I understand where he gets his bad takes from. Um, but moving on for the bets, we both went 2-1. and one. Uh, Would you win on and lose on this week, Christian? So my three bets. The first bet I had was uh, the Leon Murphy-Josh uh, Coolibau fight. I had the over two and a half rounds, which did go to the scorecards. So over two and a half rounds. So I got that one right at okay. minus 190. I got that one. I actually had that as well as my bet. Uh, so yeah, I just think we had two of the three same bets. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I like how we don't talk about it. But on a smaller card, it's it's hard. We pick five fights. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so my next one I got right. Paul Craig Moneyline. This is my big upset pick according to the odds, plus 180. So it was nice to win that. And the one I lost, I had the over two and a half rounds Molly McCann. Uh, Stoli Renko fight. Ugh. I thought even if she lost, it would at least go to decision, but early first round finish. Unfortunate. We still love Molly, but that was my loss of the night. What about you? So I also had Paul Craig Moneyline. Um, I've been a fan of his for a while. Watching him with the, uh, you know, looking menacing, getting the blue paint going. It really Such a likable guy. And I just thought he was going to dominate. And you it saw wasn't, who gave him the inspo? For the... It was Mike Perry. That's kind of crazy, right? Him, right. <laughs> Because he, I, I mean, not many brain cells left there to, to give many ideas out. It's crazy. Um, so I had Paul Craig, Moneyline. I won that. Pretty much made me even for the whole night, which helped. Um, I had the over on the Lee Ron Murphy. Lee Ron Murphy, sorry. Like you said previous. And I actually had a Giant Herbert Moneyline. So I lost that one. Uh, moved me to 2-1 and one and you 2-1 and one on the night. Uh, so for the current season, Christian, you are 10-5. and five. So, pretty solid. Ten wins, five losses. I like it. Averaging I, two, two wins, one loss a night. I'll take that. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that guarantees you're over. 
uh, and I am eight and six and one. So I'm still positive. I'm about 67% kind of right, right at the cusp of where you want to be. Um, so we're going to keep going from there, you know, see where, where I can shake up. This week's kind of looking promising. It's a, we're going to be covering nine fights. So, you know, just, just having more to add to the scorecard is going to be good regardless. Uh, moving on to the picks, uh, we both went four and two. Another good performance. I think we both got Molly McCann wrong. Um, you know, it's a fan favorite. It's hard. It's hard to bet against our I personal. Think we got the, same, the other one wrong too. Uh, Herbert. I think we both had that as well. Right. I had Herbert as my only other pick. So me too. Uh, that I got wrong. You know, four and two on the week. That's good. Another sixty-seven percent week. Uh, Christian, that moves you to twenty and fourteen on the season. Once again, another solid. We're over 50% there. And that leaves me at 23 and 11. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good there. Uh, Bucky is at 7 and 8. So we're going to be looking at moving forward from that there. That looks like 8 and 9. Oh, I'm sorry, 8 and 9. I can't read from here. My apologies. Uh, 8 and 9 for Bucky. Uh, once again, with 9 fights for UFC 291, we're going to be looking to... Uh, rebound for him and keep that fire going for me and Christian. All right, so let's move on to our preview of UFC 291 for the BMF title, uh, Poirier versus Gaethje 2. Uh, this fight card, we're going to, since it's a big, uh, a big pay-per-view card with lots of great fights we're going to cover the prelims and the main card so we're going to cover a total of nine fights uh the first fight we're going to take a look at though is jake the Selkit kid matthews taking on ufc uh debutant darius flowers nice so jake matthews lost what two out of his last three fights his most recent by unanimous unanimous decision uh, he's going to be fighting Darius Flowers, who is making, like you said, his USC debut. Um, let's see. Darius, I think, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, nice. So I think here, uh, Darius, you know, he's making his USC debut. He had a weird uh, kind of showing so far. He uh, He knocked somebody out, or I guess got a weird tap, but it was a TKO. He slammed somebody. And uh, they broke their shoulder, so they had to tap. He gets a lot of finishes. He does. He's got a. Like you said, I think he has a few. Or you were telling me before, he has a few uh, early knockouts. Yeah, his last fight, which I think was Contender Series, I believe, uh, was the one you were referencing where he broke the guy's shoulder by slamming him. Yeah, that was the Contender Series. So that was a minute thirteen into the fight. This fight before that, before the UFC in the UFC affiliation, forty-three second finish. Before that, he finished a guy forty-five seconds into the third, the second round. So he's a guy that likes to get finishes. He's going to be looking for the finish, I'm assuming, in this fight. Yeah. Honestly, I still have Jake Matthews here. Um, short notices for me, I, I tend to just kind of go with the favorite, go with the guy who, uh, you know, he he's not debuting. We've seen him before. We've seen him fight. We're familiar with Jake Matthews. We know he's lost two of his last three. He hasn't won but one fight since 2020. But I think... You know, with this camp, he's just coming back, or not coming back from, coming into with this fight. I think he's really showing, uh, going to show up. I think he's going to take the win here. I, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, great, spectacular performance because he has to kind of pivot his whole, you know, narrative with a new fighter. Uh, but I think he's going to take the win. I think I have Matthews, too. What's crazy is both these guys are 28, and they just have such a vast, uh, there's a vast gap of, of experience Matthews has been in the UFC since 2014, so quick math, that's nine years ago, since he was 19 years old about, 19, 20 years old. He's 11 and 6 in the UFC, only 28, like I said, and he's taking on another 28-year-old, but I think the experience in the UFC is going to be the difference in that one. That's why I'm taking Jake Matthews as well. And moving on to our next fight, at middleweight, we have Roman Kapilov versus Claudio Ribeiro. Uh, so we have Roman Kapilov, 10 and 2. Nine KOs, one decision, so I think you can kind of tell what he's coming out here to do. Um, and then you have Claudio Ribeiro, 11-3, and three, 11 KOs. So, based on those two facts, you can tell why the UFC made this match. This is going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be a good, exciting fight to get the crowd going early on. Yeah. Uh, 
Kapilov comes in. He's won two in a row, but he's two and two in the UFC. So he came in undefeated, lost his first two UFC fights, kind of put his career in jeopardy. He's responded nice with two straight wins since then. I will point out he did lose to Albert Durayev. That was the he his did, most recent loss. loss. No, that's since his then, most recent loss, correct. He's he's rebounded well with two finishes since then. Right. So uh, maybe that kind of steered him in the right direction. Roberio uh, also came in. Well, he didn't come in undefeated, but he is one and one in the UFC. So he lost his first fight. He's responded nice in his last fight. Got a finish, second round finish. Um, so this is going to be a very interesting fight. I think it could go either way. Both guys are going to be looking for the knockout. I'm actually picking Roberio in this fight. I think he gets. He's a plus. 195 when I checked uh, underdog. He is, that's I accurate. I think it's a close enough fight where with those odds, that I'm not taking him as my bet, but I like Roberio winning the fight. You see, I, I have Kapilov winning, but I, I I completely agree with the the thought process behind the, the why of your, of your pick. Uh, that's actually the same kind of reason I go with the underdogs that I do go with. Uh, Toss-up being... You know, nobody really knows who what's going to happen. We see plus 300 favorites winning all the time. Yeah, this is fighting. You never know what's going to happen. All right, so the next fight on the card, this features uh, a little bit of a theme of the night, a fan favorite fighter who's kind of fallen on recent times. This is the first one we're going to take a look at. We got Derek the Black Beast, Beast Lewis versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Uh, Lewis... One of my favorite fighters of all time. He comes in three straight losses. He's lost four out of five. While DeLima comes in exact opposite. He's won four out of five. So it's kind of two careers, two guys going in different directions. Uh, what do you think about this fight? Man, I sometimes just hate watching my favorite fighters fight. When they lose it and they start losing, it's tough to watch. It's stressful because like, it's hard to, to not let your feelings get in the way here. It's when you hard. actually care about the dude. As yeah. weird as it sounds, like, you know, we care about him. He's one of our favorite fighters. It just, it's just like Molly McCann. It just sucks. Right, yeah. I mean, he Derek's trying to stop the slide here. I mean, like you said, four out of the last five, he's lost. I mean, it's it's not the end, but he's got to do he's got to do some major work to to. I mean, a loss right up. here, he might seriously need to consider this being the end. It could, definitely. Um, one of the big things that I like to see here is – you know, Derek Lewis coming out, he co- always comes out with confidence. Um, you know, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima, he, he's a good fighter. Like you said, four out of his last fights, he's won. But there's one thing with the heavyweights that, you know, there's you can never forget. Everyone in heavyweight, one hit power. That's true. One wrong move on either side, and the fight for the entire fight, Changes tides. That's what Tom Aspinall was saying heading into the, his last fight last weekend. He was saying, listen, this is heavyweight. If you get touched clean, any of these guys can put you out. And that is very true, especially with Derek Lewis. He has insane power in this fight. He does. Who do you oh. have as your pick? Saying that, and as much as I love Derek Lewis, I think, like I said earlier, it's two careers going in different directions. I have DeLima winning the fight. Okay. I actually picked Derek Lewis. This is one I... I just couldn't jump off of picking him. I, I have a feeling here. I think he's going to finish. I think he's going to get the win. All right. Another fight at welterweight. I think we have a bunch of those tonight. Uh, we have Trevin the Problem Giles versus Gabriel Maritina Bonfim. Uh, Gabriel Bonfim is the brother of Ishmael Bonfim. We saw him fight, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, two or three weeks ago. Pretty good. Uh, he's 14-0, 3 KOs, 11 submissions. Yeah, all finishes. He's never had a fight go to the scorecard. Isn't that crazy? Uh, where Tevin Giles, uh, 6 KOs, 5 submissions, 5 decisions, only losing 4 times, twice by KO, twice by submission. Uh, so it's kind of safe to say when Trevin Giles goes to the scorecard, he wins. And, you know, quite often other times as well. Uh, honestly, I think... Gabriel Bonfin's going to be a big problem here. He wins most of his fights by submission, but he also has a powerful attack, you know, powerful striking, which makes him very dangerous. It's the opposite where you see, you know, where you see normally a very powerful wrestler not be able to strike, and they kind of rely very, very heavily on the jiu-jitsu or the, uh, the submissions to pull it off. He does that, 
But he uses his striking to wear them down, to get them to the ground, and then submit them. So it's very interesting with his his approach to it. Yeah, it's another fight where there's a huge uh, experience gap between the two guys. Trevin Giles has been in the UFC for a while. Uh, Bonfem, this is only his second fight. He is 1-0 in the UFC, obviously. He's undefeated. So second fight, he had the uh, the gilly finish in, the, in his first fight. Uh, I think less than a minute into the fight, which is crazy. What a way to start your career. Um, Bonfim is a pretty big favorite on the uh, the Vegas odds. He's minus 315 compared to Giles, plus 260. I'm picking Bonfim in the fight. It's a little bit too, uh, not enough return for me to, to bet on him. But I think Bonfim, this is a nice step up in competition against a guy that's been there before with good experience. I think he takes a, a little bit of a next step, and uh, he moves to 15-0. Have you ever seen a Von Flu choke? Yes, I have. So Gabriel Bonfim is one of the only people in the UFC to uh, pull it off. He was in the Contender Series when he did it, so you know, not technically UFC-affiliated. But you know, just for like him to be able to pull off a rare choke like that and get a submission, I got to side with you. I, I think Bonfim is going to win. I got him as my, my pick as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we're upset here. All right, so the next fight is the first fight of the main card of the pay-per-view. It's Michael the Maverick Chiesa coming back from a long layoff. His last fight was November of 21, taking on one of the most exciting, most entertaining fighters in the UFC, Kevin Trailblazer Holland. Uh, Holland comes in. He won his last fight. Before that, he lost two in a row, so it was a nice bounce back for him. Chiesa... Lost his last two fights, uh, both in 21, so it's been a little while, like I said. Uh, he also, Chiesa, does not have a finish uh, since 2018. He's 16-6, and six, 10 subs, 6 decisions. He does not have a knockout either, which is surprising. So that's one of those things where kind of the opposite of, uh, of Bonfin here, you know, where I think Chiesa's reliance on uh, wrestling and submitting is going to be his undoing. Honestly, I think Kevin Holland uh, kind of takes the clash of styles where he has 14 KOs to Kiesa's 10 submissions. He has crazy power, too. He's knocked out, he knocked out Jacare from his back. He was on his back on the ground and knocked out Jacare. Right. So think of that. Think We, we saw a fight a couple weeks ago. It was, uh, it was a guy. I can't remember his name. It was a prelim fight. He was trying to get a uh, heel hook. And the guy, the other, the opponent reached over and just clobbered him. And he was like, look, you, you took the fight on a short notice. You're a wrestler. This is what I do to you. And he just, he knocked him out cold. I think that's what's going to happen here. I think Kiesa is coming back off his hiatus, you know, after injuries coming back. You know, I, I know it's been a kind of trialed time for him. But I think Holland's going to be more fresh. I think he's ready. I got Kevin Holland as my pick. Yeah, I think Kevin Holland, he knows his weakness is wrestling. I think he's been working on that. This is a nice fight for him where it's somebody that does wrestle, but it's an older guy where he can... Older guy hasn't fought in a while, so maybe a good guy to kind of test your wrestling on. I'm with you, though. I think Kevin Holland, he's going to hit him a few times uh, and knock... I'm pretty... I think he's going to knock Kiesa out. Uh, I have Kevin Holland as my winner in the fight. I also have him as my first bet. Kevin Holland money line uh, at plus, I'm sorry, at minus 145. I've Kevin Holland winning the fight. Tony Ferguson takes on Bobby Green. And what's obviously, for anybody who's ever seen a fight before, is going to be interesting. Uh, I know you've looked it up, but what a lot of people don't realize is Tony Ferguson is on a five-fight loss streak. Yeah, his last one was in 2019. That's pretty crazy. But he's faced absolute killers in that time. You know, Gaethje, Oliveira, Darush, Chandler, and Diaz. Yeah, so he's faced killers, but, I mean, that's not... This was a guy I thought of at one point. As the best ever. In 2019, ever. He, maybe not best ever, but he was, like, best at 155. Comparing him to Khabib, they should have fought Khabib. Uh, and, you know, it's sad to see... This was the next fighter, just like Derek Lewis, is kind of taking a downturn where it's, like, kind of sucks to see... Yeah, it, it, it kind of hurts to see a fighter you like kind of take that downturn. Uh, but, you know, the same for Bobby Green. You know, his last fight against Jared Corden was a no contest. It was an accidental clash of heads. But the two fights before that, he lost to Drew Dober and Islam Mak... Uh, man, this is always hard to say. Maka, Makachev. 
We know Islam. You just got to say Islam. Islam's not a bad loss. Drew Dober's not a bad loss. But yeah, he hasn't won in three fights. He hasn't won since February of 2022. So he, he is a guy. He's a crazy fighter. He's a crazy style. Both these guys kind of have crazy styles. Very unorthodox. Uh, he can win anyway. 10 KOs, 8 subs, 11 uh, decision wins. And, uh, and look at uh, Tony Ferguson. 12 KOs, 8 subs, 5 decisions. I mean, both guys have, have the full tool belt of MMA that they are going to use. Anything can truly happen in this fight. A huge uh, uh, difference in odds in Vegas. I was surprised it was this big. Minus 410 the last I looked for Bobby Green. Plus 310 for Tony Ferguson. I thought it would be closer than that. Obviously, Vegas doesn't think Tony Ferguson has much left. So that will be interesting to see. I have Bobby Green as my pick uh, winning the fight. Obviously, with the minus 410 odds, it's not worth betting on. But I have Bobby Green winning. What about you? Yeah, so this is actually my first bet of the night. Um it's funny, right after you say it's not worth betting on, but I I agree. It's as a money line bet, it's not. Um, you know, minus three four thirty and minus three ten. You know, unless you're putting ten thousand dollars to hope you don't lose that. Yeah, it's it's not smart. Um, my bet here is actually the over on the fight. I think both guys are going to come out very decisive with their strikes. You know, they're they're both seasoned vets. They both know that the other has, you know, brutal just knockout power or submission power at any given time. Um, while Bobby Green's still my pick, like I said, first bet, locked it in, over two and a half rounds. All right, so the next fight of the night, this is one of the fights I'm most looking forward to. It's kind of like the last fight we talked about uh, between Ferguson and Green where it's two unorthodox, uh, you know, unique styles. This is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Michelle. The how do you, What's his... Uh, his nickname? Demoledor. Demoledor. Pereira. Sorry, oh. I like saying it with that accent. Demoledor. Pereira comes in pretty hot. He's won five straight. Four, four of those, the last four decisions. Uh, Steven Thompson comes in. He won his last fight against Kevin Holland. Before that, he lost two in a row. But before that, he was on a little bit of a roll. Uh, he does not get finished a lot. He's only been finished one time in his career. He has six career losses. Only one of them KO. It's five decisions. So he's a very durable guy. His unique style, crazy head kicks. Uh, very, very fun to watch. He's a very technical uh, karate style striker. It's just awesome to watch. And then he takes on Michelle Pereira, who you never know what this dude's going to do. He's going to do backflips, try to kick you, run up on the cage. Now, to listen, to Pereira's defense, he has chilled out with a lot of that. He still does it. He's chilled out in the fact that he's not reckless anymore. He just does it at the right times now. Yes, which I can appreciate. Those oh, yeah. Keep your keep your unique style, but try to win these fights. Now, everything you said about uh, Wonderboy is 100% correct. I do have to add a couple things. One of them is a big glaring butt. Um, but he's 40 years old. Yeah, but he's been fighting regularly. Like He hasn't slowed down, so the age doesn't, doesn't no, no. bother me at all. My, my thing is, but he's 40 years old, so... You know, where does that leave him against somebody like Pereira, who's 29? You know, fresh. Uh, it, it's not to, you know, I, I never want to count Wonderboy out, but that's obviously a question we have to think about when we're, when we're you know, deciding who to pick for this fight. Um, that, obviously, with the um, with He's the actually the Vegas favorite, too, which was surprising to me. I know. Minus 150, per, uh, Michelle Pereira, plus 130 I had. I, I think Thompson's honestly just... Not just. I think he's the gatekeeper for the division. You know, if you want a shot above, you know, for a title, you have to go through him. And his only two losses, his last recent two losses are against killers. Yeah. Bilal Muhammad, Gilbert Burns, two guys at the top of the division. So it's like, yeah, exactly what you said. He's like a top five gatekeeper. Yeah. And if he doesn't lose, then he can take, he can take another run at the title for sure. I have Thompson winning the fight. Uh, he's my pick for the fight, and it's actually my second bet of the night. I have the over two and a half rounds, so I think this fight goes to the scorecard. Uh, Thompson has been a deci- decision machine late in his career, uh, so I have my second bet of the night over two and a half rounds, and my pick for the fight is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Nice. I picked uh, Michelle Pereira for this fight, and it's also my second bet of the fight. Uh, is Michelle Pereira money line? So if 
He can win by decision. I guess we will both win there. All right, so moving on to the co-main event of the evening. Jan Blahovich, Alex Potan Pereira, his first, Alex Pereira first fight at 205, moving up from 185 after the two fights against Israel Adesanya. This dude is a killer. Has hands of have stone, hence his uh, Portuguese nickname. Uh, Blahovich, though, he's also a killer. Former uh, light heavyweight champ. Uh, he's coming off of a draw. He fought for the title his last fight, a draw versus Ankalev. Uh, what do you think about this fight? So moving up in weight classes is always very interesting. Uh, he had his his scuffle with Adesanya a couple times in the UFC. And, uh, you know, with Izzy getting the belt, it kind of... I think that, that weight cut was so hard for him, too. He's huge. He is a very big guy. So, my biggest question here, how much stronger is he going to be? How much slower is he going to be? Or, you know, I mean, he could be faster if he was cutting that much weight. You know, being tired going into a fight, you know, sucks. Um, I don't think this... a takedown is the big question. I don't think he can. Even though he's going to be fighting at a, at a more comfortable weight, Jan has been in that weight class forever. I mean, yeah, I know he bounces. He's, he's not bounces. He's gone down. Yeah, but honestly, I was looking at his recent. He's won. He's only had one loss in his last eight fights. Six, one, and one with a draw. And four out of his last five fights have been for the belt. So he's, like, been at the top for a little while now, which you got to respect. Pereira obviously had the belt for one fight uh, at 185. He's a champion kickboxer. It's a battle of styles here. Two different styles. Jan, he can strike, but he his advantage in this fight is going to be trying to take Pereira down, I think. Because Pereira does have the one-punch one knockout power. Check this, though. You know how Izzy just folded him? Folded Pereira the last time out? But I think a lot of that has to do with the weight cut. So, taking that into consideration, how much more power does Jan have than Izzy? At the, at the, you know, at 205. True, but if you don't have to, to drain yourself, that's 20 pounds you don't have to cut, which is a lot. Yeah. He can eat. He may not have to cut nearly at all he in, can, con, in you know, comparison to where he was cutting for. He can uh, eat a lot more in camp. He's going to have a lot more energy. It'll be interesting to see. I think he wins the fight. I have Alex Pereira winning the fight. He's actually my, my pick, my second bet of the fight. Uh, I have Pereira money on. Nice. This is one that I'm kind of 50-50 on this fight, but I'm going to go out on a limb and take Alex Pereira because I like the odds. I got it at plus 100. All right, so look, while you're on the 50-50 side, I honestly couldn't stop feeling the same way. You know, both guys beat Izzy before. It's just a, it's a tough matchup. I pick Jan. He's my third bet of the night. Money line, Jan Blahovich. I think he wins. I, I don't think it's you know any bad stain for Pereira. I think it's a, just an adjustment to the new weight class. So that's my final bet for the night. And so for the long-awaited main event, we have Dustin the Diamond Poirier versus Justin the Highlight Gaethje. Number two. Number Fight two. Number two. Between the two guys. We have... In my opinion, and I think in your opinion, one of the most exciting fights of the year. It's the BMF title right here, baby. Our favorite fighter, Dustin Poirier, fighting Justin Gaethje for the second time. He won the first time out. Both guys have been gatekeepers for the division. Both guys are well-seasoned in the UFC, always fighting killers, always, you know, dominating. And when you lose, when they lose, they lose to... A killer in their own right. Yeah, each of their last losses are to Charles Oliveira and Khabib. I mean, isn't that ridiculous? So it's like, yeah, they beat everybody else but those two guys. You had um, Poirier beating McGregor two out of the three fights they had, which is just crazy to even hear. Yeah. And Gaethje fighting who? He fought, he fought uh, Fizev. His last fight dominated him. Uh, Michael Chandler dominated him. Lost to Khabib. He dominated. He Pretty much changed Tony Ferguson. After that fight, Tony Ferguson was a different person. Um, Losing, you know, quite a bit in a row, I think we've said previously in the that was the That was the one that started it, too. Right. Uh, so both of these guys are killers. Both of these guys, I think, honestly, 
you have the two top guys in the division are Islam, Charles Oliveira. These guys are right there with them, Poirier and Gaethje. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be a very entertaining fight, very fun to watch. I can't go against Dustin Poirier. So I, he's my pick for the night and my last bet of the night. So I got the over two and a half rounds. This is a five-round fight. Wow, you got split I, right down the middle. I huh? got over two and a half rounds. I don't think this fight goes to the scorecard, but I think it's going to be a Dustin Poirier fourth or fifth round finish. Uh, so I got DP. I got the diamond winning, and I think this puts him right up there. You got to start talking about another title shot. Right. They they both have spoken recently that you know they're getting up in age, and that a know, loss for either one of these guys might be it. Correct. You know, I know this is a uh, you know a, a not you know, world title for anybody, but this is a a BMF title. It it doesn't spell, you know, the title that any one of them wants, but definitely, I think, with a loss here. It gets some pay-per-view points, which is money, so I think they both appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I, like you, can't not go with Dustin. I got to go with our number one fighter, our fan favorite, Dustin Poirier. I don't have any money on this one because I want to watch this one with, you know, just my eyes, not my pockets. I get too nervous with those, you know, t- kind of too close to my heart. But I agree with you there. Dustin Poirier for the finish. I think he defeats Justin Gaethje and moves on for his next title shot. So let's move on to our favorite reoccurring segment, our top fives. The past couple weeks, we've done kind of theme top fives. Last week was top Brits. So sticking with the theme of themes. I like themes of themes. Themes of themes. So what's the theme that we're going with? Is it it fight related, area related, what? So this one, it has to do with the fight card. Since we're looking at the BMF title, the baddest motherfucker title, Gaethje versus... Dustin Poirier. In honor of that, we're going to do the top five BMFs. So our top five baddest motherfuckers. Now I think we sent the text out, we didn't talk, and we picked our top five. So we, I think we both had different interpretations, but I think that's perfectly fine. Dude, I blindly agreed to this, and you just had me stressed out for like two whole days of me scouring the internet trying to figure out one, not to have a duplicate list of yours because I don't, I just don't know what you were going to put. And two, just trying to fill the list. It was fun. We did a good job of that because I took it as top five BMF MMA fighters, UFC fighters. You took it in general, which I like. I wish I would have thought of yours more. But we have our top fives. We'll go from here. So let's kick it off. What's your number five, Alex? Top five BMFs. My top five, my number five, I should say, BMF is Mike Tyson. Oh, Mike Tyson. So, one of the scariest boxers of all time. Most intimidating boxer. Right, and if you Google baddest man on the planet, there's like a thousand articles that come up that just say Mike Tyson. So that, to- that earned a lot. I mean, there was a documentary called The Baddest Man on the Planet, so that, that helped. But, uh, you know, with Mike Tyson, he proved that he was. He bit a man's ear off on national TV. Bit an ear off, had one punch power, told a guy he was going to eat his kids. Yeah, just... Told another guy he was just going to straight up fuck him. Right. He's a bad motherfucker, and he's a scary motherfucker. And he still is, and he's like 60 years old. Right. So that's my number five. Who you got for your number five? I like your number five a lot. But like I said, I took the top five BMFs more of a uh, MMA UFC fighter. So my number five is going to be the old school fighter, Don Fry. He's about to come back, apparently. This dude talking about he wants to fight Francis Ngannou, despite the fact that he's 60 years old. He's one of the original UFC fighters, early 90s fighters. He had an iconic fight. I don't even know who he fought against, but it was literally him and a guy grabbing each other by the shoulder and just exchanging punches. It's one of the most iconic MMA highlights of all time. He has some crazy, crazy sound clips recently calling fighters nowadays pussies, pretty much targeting Israel Adesanya, maybe a little racism, I don't know. But top five, BMF, my number five, Don Fry. So that's uh, that fight was Don Fry versus Yoshihiro Takayama. 
Yeah, I think it was a pride fight, actually. It was. Japan. It was a pride fight. It was. But still, just like crazy fight. If you haven't seen that, go watch that because that is one of the most insane highlights you'll ever see. So right. do I have my number four now? I think your number four is up next. All right. So uh, my number four, going back with my my different interpretation of the list, I've got Kobe Mim- Kobe Kobe Mim Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, my my reason here, uh, Kobe Bryant with the Mamba mentality, you know, always outworking everybody. It, you know, it basketball is just the one thing he he chose to excel at. He was the kind of individual that whatever he decided to do, he was going to be the best at. Uh, he was just also naturally gifted to be like seven feet tall. So kind of it kind of helped steer him like towards six, basketball. more like six, six, seven, but I get your point. But yeah, one of the best basketball Over players of all time. Over a foot taller than me. That's tall enough. One of the best basketball players of all time. Has one of the best uh, like mentalities and like mental fortitude of all time. Also, rest in peace, Kobe. Rest in peace, Kobe. Um, yeah, I like your pick. I like your number four. My number four, I put the literal uh, current BMF title holder. I put George Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal, game bred. Um, like I said, he won the BMF title against Nate Diaz. He started in the streets, literally fighting in the streets with Kimbo Slice on YouTube. I don't think you can get more bad motherfucker than that. Um, he's about as real as it gets. Punch Colby Covington in the face outside of a steakhouse, so you gotta like that. Uh, but yeah, my number four, George Masvidal. I like that number four. Uh, with with Masvidal, that you know that that's who the title was really made for, or it was him versus Nate Diaz, right? And Nate, you know, is just the old school badass, you know, kind of fight anywhere, anytime. And Jorge, truthfully, would fight anywhere, anytime. He fought on the streets, like you said, you know, with Kenbo Slice. He fought in backyards before it mattered. So. I, I totally agree there. I, you know, I can't argue, ri- you know, really at all. All right. So who you got is your number three BMF. My number three BMF going, yeah, non-fighter, right? Uh, going with my current theme is going to be Michael Jordan. Two basketball players in a row. Right. So don't strike I, me as a, an NBA fan. And that that's kind of why I why I put them, um, you know, M- Michael Jordan and Kobe both, you know, household names. Even non basketball fans, you know, know know these guys. You know, you could include, you know, others as well. But these two are the ones for me, you know, are, are just the the baddest guys that that played the game of basketball. An ultimate winner. Yeah, I mean, you he know, also played baseball too, which is impressive. Right, and you know, kind of. You look at Bo Jackson in that sense. You know, they Deion all Sanders. translate into a different sport, and that's so rare just with the fact of, you know, how often anybody goes to a major sport as it is. Yeah, two pro sports is insane. So Three pros at two sports. My number three being Michael Jordan. You know, couldn't have couldn't have Kobe above him. Michael Jordan's the GOAT forever. Well, my number three, sticking with my fighter theme, BMF, my number three is one of my favorite fighters, Max Blessed Holloway. This dude puts on some entertaining fights. He's another guy. He'll fight pretty much anybody. Um, puts on entertaining fights. He dominates most of them, except if he's fighting Alexander Volkanovsky, apparently. <laughs> um, put on a war with Dustin Poirier that he lost a couple, a few years ago, but it was a great fight, not a bad showing from him. Uh, he beats up, he's one of those guys, even Volk said it, like, stop beating up my prospects, because he's fighting these guys on their way up, and he's just ruining their title chances, because he's dominating them so much. Uh, he's a cool dude, he's a funny guy, he seems laid back, he seems like a good guy. So Max Holloway, my number three BMF. I like Max Holloway. He He's a great fighter. Uh, you know, even, what is he now, 38? 37, 38? No, dude, he's like 29, 30. Jesus, he's been fighting for forever. He then. came in the UFC when he was like twenty. That's crazy. It it just everybody's you know we've been watching for so long. It feels like everybody's almost forty now. But it's it's good to know that Max has a good you know ten eleven years left in the tank based on what he's been doing in the UFC. Um, I really like that pick. It, it in my opinion, it doesn't really compare to my number two. Well, I haven't given you my number two. Why would my number three compare to your number two? 
Well, because of who it is. I say my number two before you say your number two. That's kind of why. Your number two also can't compare to my number two. I don't care who your number two is. My number two is David Goggins. He is a bad motherfucker. I don't know how he's not your number one if you had him on the list. Uh, you'll see. So David Goggins uh, is just... I'm the David Goggins guy. You don't even like him. Yeah, but you put me on to him. Putting, I mean... No, no, that was a joke. Yeah. He's for everybody. It, it's, it's... How are you going to gatekeep David Goggins, you I'm, bastard? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, David Goggins is great. You know, j- just sometimes when I'm cutting the grass in my head, if I'm getting tired, I'm like, who's going to carry the boat, though? And... You know, it makes me go those extra steps. You know, it, it's really motivational. Calling yourself a bitch has never been more motivating. It's so healthy, I feel like. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big David Goggins fan, so listen to both of his books. Big fan, so I can't hate on that. I don't know how he's not your number one if you're going to include him on the list. You'll see. I told you. You'll see. Who's your number two? My number two, uh, probably the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter right now, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, this guy is not afraid. He moved up, fought the guy nobody wants to fight, Islam. Arguably won the fight. He lost on scorecard, but could have gone his way. Uh, dominates his division. He dominated three. T- he dominated the last time. Beat him three times. My number three guy, Max Holloway. Uh, Volk right now looks almost untouchable, especially at 145 in the UFC. He's an awesome dude. He's funny. Uh, he's just a bad motherfucker. I really can't disagree there. I mean, with, I love what he did to uh, Brian Ortega too. Yeah, and I mean, you know what what he's done in the UFC kind of speaks for itself. He did he move up to the pound for pound number one? I don't know if he officially did. A lot of people have him pound for pound. Number right. One. So either way, it's either him or John Jones pound for pound number or one. Islam is up there too. Oh yeah, Islam could be number one as well. But anyway, top three pound for pound. I mean, just just a brutal fighter. He, when he takes damage, he takes it clean. You know, he he fights with respect. We've never really seen him, like, crazy hurt. I don't think he's ever been crazy hurt. I mean, I know he's lost, but, you know, just, just to say in scope of, of the post-haircut Volk, yeah, since he's been unbeatable. championship run. But, yeah, Volk my number two. So who's your number one BMF? That'll be Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> Old Teddy? Old Teddy. Listen. I was looking up people, you know, he is who, a badass. who could be the baddest on the planet. And when I stumbled across Teddy, one of the things that really solidified it for me was hit the assassination attempt. You, you were aware of that story, right? Yeah, he got shot before a speech, still went up, did the speech. And then in the speech was like, and I have a piece of lead in me. And they all laughed, but he was like, I'm not joking. Right. He said, I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot. That was the opening to his, uh, you know, his speech. That was the opening to the speech. So that was that'll get people to listen, huh? That was exactly how he tried to convey the emotion of what he was trying to speak to the crowd. So if you can't tell me that's not badass, I don't know what is. I mean, he started the national parks. Uh, he was an outdoors guy. But wait, I he, love Teddy Roosevelt. He he went on to say, but it takes more than that to kill a bull moose. Yeah. Right? One of the most, he has some crazy uh, quotes, too. That's, cr- that's crazy. So, the, the manuscript of his speech was bullet-ridden. You know, he was shot. He, he said, the bullet is in me, so I cannot take long, but I will do my best. He made his speech, was then rushed to the hospital. He's a great president. Survived. Great president. Father of the national parks. You know, a great helper to Native Americans and giving them their land back. In my opinion, the most badass American, the most badass person. That He's probably still regarded as, like, universally top five president of all time. I mean, if only we could have something like, <clears throat> if only we could have something like that back right now. Yeah, like somebody like him, like right. a leader like that. Agreed. Who's oh, your number one? My number one, so I took bad literally for this one. Bad oh, motherfucker. I like it. So I have, my number one is the greatest UFC MMA fighter of all time, John Jones. Uh, untouchable. He became the youngest champ ever. I think he was 23. He's pretty much been champ ever since. He has something like 15 plus title fights, which is just insane. He hasn't legitimately lost in years, ever. 
Uh, he right. also has a crazy rap cheat where he's getting arrested, snorting coke, <laughs> cheating on his wife, hitting his wife. So he's literally the worst motherfucker. But he's also the baddest motherfucker, one of the best fighters of all time. Not one of them. He is the best fighter of all time. Without a doubt, has the best resume of all time. My number one, John Jones. John Jones would smoke Teddy Roosevelt in a fight. Yeah, but it takes more than that to kill a bull moose is all I have to say. I like John Jones. I like that as your uh, number one uh, in your category of, of badass people. Um, I really can't argue with that. You know, once again, in the categories of what you're saying, he is not a great person, but he is a badass dude. Uh, pound, pound for pound, top four, top three. You don't have to be a BMF. You don't have to be a good person to be BMF. Oh, you're right. I, no, I, I like how we both interpreted the questions completely different. Uh, you know, you can kind of see where, where the headspaces were when we were looking things up and, and thinking about where we wanted to go with this. I like, I like the baddest motherfucker list. Grab your paddle, buddy, because we're going on the canoes. So you were telling me about John Jones earlier. Uh, as being your top five baddest mofo. That's number like number one baddest motherfucker. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, your number one baddest motherfucker. So that kind of leads me right into the uh, the canoes for the week. Colby Covington wants to headline UFC 295 with him. Um, and with if you with John Jones, is the fight John Jones? No, no, headline with him. Uh, so be on the card, be the co-main to his main event. So gotcha, gotcha. He plans, if, if he can get this, he plans on asking John Jones the tough questions, such as, what is a picogram? You know, kind of obviously alluding to John Jones's problems with USADA, you know, when he tested positive, what was it, like 25 picograms of whatever PED substance? Yeah, but, something like that. I mean, it doesn't say there's none. But anyway, um... He'd also like to ask a couple others, like, who were the two girls in the back of the Bentley when you wrecked it in Vegas? Now, this is an old story. This is, like, from 2012 when he wrecked it. But kind of like you said, Jones has had a bit of a rap sheet over the past. Um, and then lastly, he would like to know what was in the bag when you hit the pregnant lady at the stoplight and then fled the scene. I mean, these are all true accusations, but Colby Covington would never say that to John Jones' face. No, but it doesn't matter. He said it on a microphone in front of enough people to have gotten my attention. Um, obviously, Covington just being his normal like character. You know, I'm the I'm the better guy. He's a piece of shit in his own right. But I like the exciting you know week in in the in the news for it. Yeah, so I got a news story. Did you hear about the big boxing uh, fight this weekend? Uh, remind me, which one so was that? Terrence Bud Crawford, Earl Spence Jr. They've been two of the best pound-for-pound -pound boxers uh, current day. Both guys in their prime. They've been talking for years about getting this fight done. It looked like it was a typical boxing thing where like the big fight never gets done and never actually fight. Sounds like it. Just like Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. Never is going to happen, looks like. But this fight is actually happening. Both guys undefeated. Uh, this is the biggest boxing fight in a while, I think. Two guys, like I said, in their prime. Two of the best of the generation. Uh, it's actually at the same time as UFC 291. But last time this happened, they literally waited for the UFC event to end before the main event in boxing started. Hopefully they do that again this week so we can watch both. But big time boxing match this weekend. I like that they're cognizant with it. You know, they're not just... They're, they're trying to maximize viewership. So There's no like, point to be dumb. You know a lot of your fans overlap, so... Yeah, I mean, we, we got a lot of boxing fans, you know, watching UFC and vice versa. You got a lot of UFC fans that want to watch the boxing match. And I'm not the biggest boxing fan, but watching two, like, high-level guys like this is always fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely, I definitely wouldn't watch local boxing, but, you know, world championship-level boxing, it, it's definitely worth the watch. Uh, my last news story for the week um, is kind of what I think a lot of people's dreams have been would be, you know, I, I talked a little bit about this last week with Patty looking like he's going to start taking the UFC more seriously or his career more seriously. Uh, he may be taking the next step. You know, he was talking about 
wanting to coach the Ultimate Fighter um, against Sephoria and then fight him after, that would involve, you know, another, the next 8 to 12 months of his life being wrapped up in that. You know, and if that's not showing his, or at least excuse to kind of keep himself dedicated or motivated to it, you know, I'd be willing to watch that. You know, I know the, the McGregor Chandler Ultimate Fighter pumped up viewers in, a, in its own right, but I, I like a younger take on it. What do you think? I agree, but I don't think uh, Patty is at the level right now to for you. I know they have a little beef going, but since Patty got injured and by the time he's gotten back, Teporia has proved himself to be one of the top guys in his division. Patty, he, he's not there yet. Uh, he could still get there at one point, but I think he needs a couple more fights uh, before he fights Teporia. Because I think if they fall right now, as much as I like Patty, I don't think it would go well for him. Yeah, but he, I'm not opposed to that happening in the future after a couple fights for him. Yeah, I mean, you you gotta look with with that kind of thing being a, a, you know, if they have to film a whole Ultimate Fighter season, that that kind of fight would be eight months to a year out. So Patty and Taporia could both fight again soon, and then you know kind of lock themselves into that. Um, the other thing is, or with that, I should say, uh, Patty finished up his comments with saying that Taporia could barely beat uh, retiring or a soon to retire um, Josh, Josh Emmett, and then so. Josh Emmett kind of said. I'll yeah, fight he you. would fight uh, Patty, too. But so, Patty's got options. He's got a lot of people that want to fight him because he's a, a big name that they think they can beat. So. Right. So it, it's exciting. We should definitely see Patty you know, coming back to the, to the main event. Or not main event, sorry. The UFC soon. Uh, we don't know where it's going to be, but you know, his name's always being dropped. Let's be on the lookout. And to close out this week's episode, uh, we're going to bring back the Who Would Wins Again as you did with the top fives, I kind of thought to do the same things with the who would wins, in a sense. Or at least one of the who would wins. In what sense? Um, theme. Okay. How'd you say it before? Our theme of themes. Yeah, I like the theme of themes. Um, it's like the king of kings, like Jesus. So, I, br- I broke two parts up. One is location-oriented. And the other send me location. And the other is a badass person fight. And then the other is just a different fight. So number one, the bride from Killville, Kill Bill, not Kill Phil. The bride from Kill Bill versus Ellen Ripley from Alien. So two badass women, both killers, quite literally, except one was killing aliens. You know, in and outer one space, was killing just a shit ton of people. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think? I'll let you kind of pick the pick the playground here. I'm thinking the bride because have you seen Kill Bill? Yep. When she got buried alive and she's able to dig herself out, that's some ruthless shit right there, dude. She cuts people in half with her sword. She's just like on a mission. Now the girl from Alien. No disrespect to her, she is too. She's fighting fucking aliens. But I think the sheer numbers and the way she does it and the revenge factor and the determination, I think I gotta go with the bride from Kill Bill. Okay. I like that. I'd be interested to see what everybody else thinks or what anybody else thinks about the bride versus uh, Ripley. I kind of think it would go the same way. Um, But I'm always wrong and I'll be wrong again. Moving on to our next one. Um, This one has no theme behind it. I just saw it or thought of it, and I was like, oh, this will be fun. I'm going to give you a conquest battle. Napoleon versus Alexander the Great. So is it Napoleon's army versus Alexander the Great's army? Right. Now, to make it fair, because I know they come from, you know, completely two different time periods, meet them in the middle for... You know, as far as, like, technology. You know, advance one, dumb one down, or do whatever you gotta well, why do. Well, why don't we say they have the same clone army. Okay. With the same weapons. And it's just them being generals? Yeah. They're, what about, the, who has better war tactics to win? With the same army. You know, I really like both figures, historical figures. I know Alexander the Great conquered more land, but his was in a time where there were less... Uh, less countries and nations that were like united together to fight against. 
So I think I got to go with Napoleon because he took over pretty much most of Europe when it was like established countries. Uh, he fought more traditional warfare, I feel like, too. So I think he would probably outmaneuver uh, Alexander the Great. Although Napoleon was beat at Waterloo, which is his great failure, which was from strategy. So that might be a weak point. But Alexander, his army revolted against him because he was pushing him so hard. So you got to think of that, too. I still think I'm going with Napoleon, though. That's a, that's a great, concise argument. I like it. And lastly, we're going back to the theme of themes. We're not going badass here. We're going location. So, Utah, Salt Lake City? Utah. So, one of these fighters is the most famous person from Utah. And is the it other... a fighter or is it a famous person from Utah? I'm saying the, the saying fighter is in... in the who would win. So one of the two people in this fight, sorry, is from Utah. Rosie, I'm mean, sorry, Roseanne Barr. She's from Utah? She's from Utah. I like Roseanne Barr. She's a little controversial, but I respect her. Versus Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, so it's like right wing versus left wing fat yeah. white comedian woman. Right. I think I'm going Strong white comedian is what, what they would prefer to be called. I personally like Roseanne Barr more than Rosie O'Donnell. You're a bad person, apparently. So I think Roseanne seems a little more gritty than uh, Rosie. Rosie feels like she would complain a lot. Roseanne... I, I think if you give Roseanne an Ambien, she just wins. Just Yeah, she's cuff. like... Uh, it's like a superhero. She's like one of those fighters where they just keep taking punches and like you just can't knock him out punch drunk yeah and you just can't stop yeah him. you remember the fight with uh sean o'malley and the green-haired guy yeah chris mutinho yeah that it was the he, only time we ever saw him in the ufc pretty much right yeah exactly it was one of the where give her like, an ambient and sh you can't and put her out i'm just going out on a limb and saying rosie o'donnell doesn't have the best stamina so i think roseanne outlaster roseanne with the the tko in like the fourth round nice all right Thank you for listening to Split Decision. Check us out next week when we recap UFC 291 and take a look ahead to UFC Nashville. The inventor of the Frisbee was turned into a Frisbee per his last wishes upon death. Like and subscribe to this episode of Split Decision and check us out at splitdecision.blog where you'll find our most recent posts, videos, and all the links to our socials.